So welcome back to another episode of the Uptown Punks. It seems like we can't get enough of the water, so we decided to bring a doctor that lives on the water. Um, okay. <laughs> welcome, Dr. Johnny Drain, to the Uptown Punks. Thanks so much for having me. So it was, it was quite funny. Um, Johnny was like, guys, I have to apologize. I'm somewhere in a dark hole of no telecommunication networks. Um, but I, I, I think you're not further than a mile out of central London with your boat anyways, no? Not even. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm just like just west of Labrook Grove by, you know, a couple of hundred yards. But it's this very weird telecommunica telecommunications black spot. And so I struggle to um, I struggle to contact anyone or for anyone to contact me. So you guys are very lucky to catch me today. Well, this Before just shows the... you that infrastructures are just not where we think they are in yeah. central London. Eh? I know, right? You think you've got 5G, but I'm, I think I'm on about 2G here. Yeah, well, your, your signal is flagging up as red, but um, yeah, it's all right. I mean, we, we deal with what we can deal with. So um, maybe everybody's <laughs> wondering um, wh why we have um, <laughs> why we have Johnny here on the podcast, because if you look him up on LinkedIn, how, how would you say is your official title? You're a food chemist, doctor, you did your PhD in what exactly? So, I mean, I did my PhD in material science or computational material science, which is a bit of a um, bit of a conversation killer at dinner parties and on dates. Um, <laughs> but I still I, I still don't really know what to call myself. I still call myself a scientist, to be honest, but it's not very accurate because I don't really do any science these days. But it's, I like the sound of it. It sounds cool. But I, I see you more like, I could see you as like Dr. Taste or something, because that's what you do, basically. Dr. Taste. <laughs> Dr. Taste. Sounds like a dodgy <laughs> DJ name, or, or even worse, <laughs> who knows. It's like do Dr. Utka's Dr. Uh, sort of evil twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> is, you know, is Dr. Utka a real person? That's the question on, on my mind. Is Colonel Sanders really a person? Yeah. Is my he was a real person, the KFC guy. I think really he existed. was, yeah. Yeah, that's why it's called the Colonel. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like a myth they created. Like, well, uh, what was the myth that he heard? That it was a guy who liked to eat chicken and then no, he found his recipe. Uncle Ben, does he really exist? You of know, course the he lifestyle? did. Did he? Okay. Well, I anyway. think so. Johnny, did he? Johnny, You're the food guy. You should know this. No, I don't. I don't. I think Uncle Ben was a sort of a, ca a caricature from you know sort of eighty years ago. But I think uh, so. I don't think he did exist. I think also you know the Quakers Oats, that guy who looks a bit like Benjamin um, Benjamin Franklin. Also, I don't think existed as a real a real person. Oh, you're, you're, you're crushing childhood dreams now. Yeah, but we're in the midst of the subject already because food is, is today's topic, isn't it? It is food. Mm. And now everybody will think food, punks, well, technology, maybe Poland have <laughs> absolutely lost the plot now. Yeah, why, 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 why are we talking about food? Uh, we're, no, we're talking about my nutrition plan for my upcoming Ironman. Oh, God. No, <laughs> no. Uh, there, it, there we go. Like We lost like 500 listeners <laughs> in one sentence. Do you have that oh. on a spreadsheet? What? I imagine the, 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 you do. If, if it was live, we would see it in real time, but I'm sure... Uh, <laughs> no. Everybody likes to talk about ultra-distance, Ironman, disciplines, all of these things. I yeah, mean, yeah, everybody, of, of, of course. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, already what we're seeing is, you know, food is this very emotive, uh, emotional subject, and you always sort of talk about your child. You know, I think, you, Tim, you already used the word uh, childhood dreams being crushed. It's this very emotional, uh, emotional topic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so what do you have to do with food? Um, 
Uh, uh, yes. So if I'm not the the the, the, the taste doctor, sometimes people call me um, a fla flavor guru. Is something that gets thrown around a bit, or, or fermentation yeah. wizard. Also, very happy to um, to be called that. But wizard, essentially, I, I help uh, using an understanding of science. So chemistry, biology, physics. I help unlock deliciousness. So I make. Um, help people make delicious things and help them help help them make things more delicious cool and uh and and how do you do that so i like dr taste that's Tony, dr. your taste. name should be dr taste or, or dr flavor maybe dr. yeah dr. for the american but flavor. no we have to start with the uptown punk way of things so first let's do the traditional part before we go into thinking about food because that's when everybody's going to get yeah hungry. let's keep the suspense a little bit yeah, yeah let's keep the suspense. okay so johnny first of all do you remember your first mobile phone <laughs> oh yeah well i used to borrow my i'm i'm so old that i used to um i used to borrow my dad's when i would go out like clubbing when i was like 16 and um so my parents <laughs> sort of knew in principle where i was although they, they definitely didn't um and i hope they don't listen to this but um it was like a nokia a sort of a giant nokia brick and i can't remember the name of the the brand but it was that one that everybody had in like 1999 and if you would hand out your number and then all of a sudden a girl would call back that number and <laughs> yeah. out, so that would be quite awkward wouldn't it? Damn. <laughs> difficult to explain to his wife isn't it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay. And then I, so I had it was basically that it was like the brick, the Nokia brick that everyone had around. It would have been that have been like 98, 99, I think. That must be the communicator, probably, is it? The one you can flip open. No, oh, that was so um, that one. I, I love that one. The, that was a Motorola one, wasn't it? No, it was a Nokia one. It was a nine, I don't remember, 9,300. You could flip it open, the communicator had a little okay. keyboard in it. And we loved it because you could make the screen really big, write your mobile number while you're in the cinema and you see a girl that you like. You would just roll <laughs> up your phone. Well, I grew up in the Middle East. It was a little bit different, you know, because there's like you're not allowed to like officially do these things. <laughs> right. The movie would be on and you'll be like, hey, this is my number. And then if you're lucky, she would actually send the SMS or something. Okay. Um, wow, you had to improvise. Yeah, it was really hard for us in the youth. Like we didn't have it like you people in the in Europe. It was just you guys could live your youth. We couldn't. It was like a prison. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Did you marry first computer then, or? So very first computer was a oh Christ. I'm I'm struggling to remember names, but I think it was like a a four eight six. Was that like the processor speed? It was like a desktop tower unit four eight six. Yeah. And I know I used to play like Worms and Command and Conquer and Red Quake, Alert. Doom 2, yeah, Red too. Alert. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. The very first, was it World of Warcraft 2 when it was still that kind of over the, over the top, um, which I used to like. I think it was one of our first guests here. It was a little bit in our age range, Tim. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, everyone, is everyone normally older or younger? Well, everybody's normally like, um, yeah, my first computer was black and white. Um, I remember <laughs> my first hard drive, which had 25 megabytes storage. Yeah, I still <laughs> had to code the commands. And, and the uh, best one was one guy, we had him here. His father was one of the first engineers at IBM. Wow. Was that was the guy from the US, Stephen Connelly. Oh, uh, Stephen Connelly. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Stephen. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's just the Italian New Yorker name, you know? Um, but uh, basically, he's an IBM child. He grew up in a computer. He knows them since they're like, yeah. were buildings you could walk into. Wow. So was tech something that motivated you or interested you? Or 
sort of like you grew up with it and then you did food and then you were like oh how can i connect the smart thing behind tech with food oh maybe i gave the topic away now but um <laughs> yes tell us a little bit more yeah i up. think Mm. I, I think I've always been a little bit into tech. So definitely when I was a kid, I was playing, um, yeah, playing computer games. And I think, you know, I used to try and make things in like, was it in VBA? Um, I like messed around with that with my dad a bit. And so he was playing computer games. And but more broadly, I think I was just tinkering with things. So in the summer, I would like try and build a go-kart out of like random bits of wood that I found in my, my dad's shed. And yeah, I was always trying to make contraptions. And I think I used to... I remember telling my grandmother um, that I wanted to be an inventor when I was an old when I was older. So I think this idea of like inventing and uh, messing around with stuff, whether it's like you know tangible, real things or kind of computers and tech, has always been present in my life. I think you fit in this podcast perfectly fine with another guy who built uh, rollerblades with rockets on it when he was 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, I wonder whether he had an alter ego too. You know, when I was a child, I, some I sometimes had like an alter ego when you play you? like the inventor or something. Is that what you saw yeah. as an inventor? No, no, but like, I don't know, cowboy or whatever. You well, know, he saw himself as Dr. Taste. As well. Yeah, exactly. How he was, 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 was six years old. He was like, Dr. Dr. Taste. was born when... <laughs> Johnny Drain was eight years old. <laughs> Actually, sorry, the we're, reason we're, we're creating myths and legends around you without your well, one of the first things I did was um, so again referencing my grandmother, which is which was uh, essentially the connection uh, that how Paul and I first met. But I used to when she would come and stay with us for the weekend, I would make her these like weird um, sort of beauty potions. I would like put loads oh. of random cosmetics together and then hand them to her in this little pot and i thought i was being you know the best grandson possible and presumably she like got got down the drive and then threw them threw them in the bin but um i was convinced that they were going to sort of give her a sort of eternally internally young looking skin but I, I don't think they did oh wow so so are you still 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 looking for the how is it called the, 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 the perfect the perfect recipe for the love portion yeah the love <laughs> yeah. Portion or, or the source of youth the, the... the elixir of eternal youth yeah no i mean there's yeah. there's a lot of overlap between the food industry and you know cosmetics and beauty but actually that's sort mm. of on the on the back burner but so i do a lot of work now around fermented ingredients and actually if you look at trends in the beauty industry um there's lots of people using these sort of like fermented ingredients or like probiotic yeah. skin creams and everything. could you give like so an example think, that everybody so, uses every day and they don't know even about it so there's something called um kojic acid which is a, a phrase you see a lot um, in a lot of beauty products at the minute um, and that basically is produced by a fungi called koji that's the japanese word for it aspergillus erisi um, and that's a, a fungi that i use a lot in my in my work and people use it to make um, soy sauce or miso paste or lots of things within the food world mm. so there's this dovetail between the two worlds so a fungi is what you put in your miso soup great basically yeah or the, the fungi is what's created Amazing. the miso itself yeah wow okay and, and 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 so that's way beyond like putting putting like cucumbers on your eyelids or, <laughs> <laughs> or i don't know like rubbing kale into your pores to... so what do you do you rub no kale? no but i i don't know that's what people do don't they they have I think it's from... weird stuff and then with quark and <laughs> i reckon that's what the colonel used to do <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. I've definitely never rubbed anything green anywhere um, into my pores or, or otherwise, but it's definitely people. Um, I suppose it's that promise of, you know, looking, you know, looking slightly better. A lot of people are willing to spend a lot of money on, on any, you know, the promise of that, even if it doesn't actually work. Um, yeah. Same with food, isn't it? There's lots of lots of false promises and, and, and artificial um, stuff out there that promises you some, you know, you fitness pills, uh, whatever it is. Do you kind of this kind of also uh, motivate you to go and um, uh, uh, get into the food industry and, and, and you know, change things a little bit or? Mm, I mean, not not so much on the this the whole kind of like supplement side of things, and you know, people like Tim Ferriss, who I, mean, did, I think he didn't he start by having a, a supplement business, but um, there's clearly a lot of people selling that, and then tangential to that, often is people um, looking at fungi and these sort of like chaga mushroom teas and these you know various teas and potions that are supposed to have some um you know kind of beyond simply nu nutritive benefits and that's i guess at the point where i come in so i'm definitely interested in fermented foods and um, probiotics um but more from a sort of holistic perspective so rather than creating um you know something that's like distilled in pill form i guess i'm interested in you know if we take this uh, microbe which is you know has been traditionally used to make miso or soy sauce or used to make vinegar what else can we use to make it that's delicious and interesting and opens up sort of avenues of possibility and and flavor and i guess that's then when you know, we should probably talk about data at some point um you know clearly you can uh, you can use those principles of and the power of data to understand the possibilities within those fields just as you can if you're talking about telecommunications or some software play so I think it's probably quite similar to, um, I think in the perfume industry, they probably, I think they put formulas together first on the computer and simulate how the smell would be if they put things together. Hmm. Is it the same way you would do it? Or like crazy, well, crazy Dr. Taste sitting there, <laughs> going, da, 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 putting like little, oh, let me put a bit of this and a bit of that. And that's what's going to come out of the end. Um, is, is that sort of what it is? Or is it more like data points where you know, like, oh, mm. um, I think me and you briefly touched on this one time over dinner, which was like, um, there's like certain things we know that people like to eat, that certain flavors, like you mentioned, I think it was like so, something salty, fatty. Mm -hmm. That's something that everybody wants to have. So mm -hmm. as soon as you put certain ingredients into something, it's always going to be delicious. doesn't matter what's in it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, traditionally, whether you're a perfumier or you were the master blender, at a scotch distillery or a winemaker, um, you know, you were doing that all through the sort of craft that you'd learned and you, you know, you knew roughly what you wanted to, to get in your final um, flavor profile. Now we have things like um, where you call it GCMS, so basically mass spectrometry, where you could take a sample and analyzer and you know let's say it was some chocolate or a, um, a cup of coffee you know we could more or less discern what uh, chemical compounds were in that sample that were resulting in that flavor profile of the coffee or the chocolate mm. but here's the thing here's the kicker um, that, that flavor and taste is really complex so in the average cup of coffee you'd be looking at like i don't know 400 to 600 different chemical compounds so that's mm -hmm. why when you you know when you buy um some kind of um 
you know, a, a strawberry flavored sweet, let's say. It's just a very one dimensional representation of strawberry flavor. So it might have just one or two flavor compounds in, whereas an actual strawberry would have, you know, tens or twenties or hundreds. So, uh, you know, taste and flavor is really complex. It's really intractable. But this is where data is so powerful because now we can, we have these, um, you know, analysis tools where we can more or less plot, okay, what chemical compounds are in this thing? Then we can, um, you know, start to map them and say, well, this is. Is the, the this is the 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 fingerprint let's say of this um, ch chocolate sample and this is the fingerprint of this other sample and then we can try and find either alternate pathways to to them or we can figure out okay what is it about these samples that we love and then we can you know cross reference and say well actually there's these 50 chemical compounds that are, are present in all of the samples that we know and love therefore these are probably the 50 that really make kick-ass coffee or kick-ass chocolate so you're looking merely at, at chemical compounds. So that's that's your main data source. Or where does the AI come in? Yeah, and and where does the AI come in? Because you where, yeah, so, where where's because the twenty first century? This whole thing. Yeah, I, that's a better term. Because maybe. I guess it's it's loads of data. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. need AI, right? Yeah. So what what does a data set or how do your data points look like? Are you trying to visualize them all also? Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned mass spectrometer. So can you make taste visible or uh, sorry lots of yeah questions. can you make taste just yeah. develop yeah. Actually, make, does it go like green light oh that will taste nice yeah like, or, yeah or, how, well, how, I, you, so the, the, can we see taste well there's this thing called synesthesia which um you know i guess is covered a bit more in the in the mainstream press yeah, these right. days but it's where people you know associate different yeah. uh you know sensory modalities so some people do see taste and actually i did a very weird thing where i went into an anechoic chamber so a place where all of the sound has been deadened um it was somewhere it was in part of loughborough university so it's like the 12th quietest place on the earth or something like this and i fed this guy who had synesthesia um a sort of little canopy of cheese and nuts in complete dead silence and then i fed him the same thing with this specially commissioned um string quartet playing and, and we got we sort of videotaped his um his reaction and it was a very weird he was sort of he was completely blown away by this sort of sensory overload and he was talking about all these colors that he was tasting etc um so with, with you know, seeing like having really the next time we do an experiment sign me up i'm ready yeah uh, <laughs> amazing so but 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 so did this person saw taste and, and food without normally seeing uh no, without normally seeing taste or or huh? because yes yeah, so he would without even being in, a, in such a chamber right yeah, you could do it not in the chamber, but we just thought it was much cooler for to be as, as sort of emphatic as possible. Um, yeah. And the guy, you know, I was watching his face whilst he was eating it, and he, it was like he was having a sort of religious experience. Um, and it's very odd because any sound that is produced, you just hear it. So I could, I was stood about two foot away from him, but I could hear like every time his sort of Adam's apple moved up and down, I could hear like the saliva and it was really weird. So I was, he was going through this sort of religious experience of taste and, and visualization. And then I was sort of having a, a, a lesser religious experience listening to his sort of um, him salivating and eating this sort of canopy. 
that that sounds very um that sounds very weird but (laughs) it's um dr taste back to it again (laughs) yeah i think it's it's interesting because so what it tells us essentially is that your senses are not as separate as they seem to be or absolutely yeah so you know there is this you call it like cross modality so um these senses sort of interacting and the way they get kind of mapped you know i don't necessarily i don't know the neuroscience of all but they sort of get mapped and projected in your brain and and sometimes they or for some people they cross over in a very um strong way and for other people they they do exist more separately so it's like people who see um you know, when they look at the sun, they need to sneeze. So I'm, I'm one of those people. Do you look at the sun, you sneeze? Yeah, because, <laughs> because, because your, I've um, never heard your of... eye nerves are very strong, are very Maybe close. Maybe in mate, because you guys are so close to the sun. Yeah, yeah, we are. Let's see, I'm close to the sun. No, but this, this, this exists. No, just a stupid example on... Uh, uh, i never heard that one before. Of Must course, be look it up, thing. mate. It's there's there's some. So if you are concerned by this problem, please reach out to the hotline. Oh no, um, I'm not alone. I know that. But um, this was just to illustrate the point why senses aren't as separate as they. Um, but where does the AI come? Yeah. In? Um, that's that's the yeah. So question. I mean, so essentially you have that. So the the idea of GCMS to the companies trying to recreate um, like whiskeys and wines using that. So we call it note by note cooking is the the phrase that's often used. So the idea of instead of reaching for some, you know, um, you know, flour and bicarbonate and soda and sugar and um, cocoa powder off my shelf, I reach for these specific compounds that we know have certain flavors and you would layer them up whether that's in a, a wine or um, a whiskey or something like that. Um, but where the where the AI can come in is, I guess, on the various different levels. So the company that I've just founded and the project I'm working on at the moment, which is called Win-Win Food Labs, we're basically trying to create um, a chocolate that has no cacao in it. So the, the reasons why we're doing that um, is basically that the cacao is responsible for widespread deforestation and child labor and slave labor are hardwired into um, cacao supply chain. So there's lots of ethical issues around um, cacao and its production. And so we want to create this substitute that tastes exactly like chocolate, but without the chocolate. And the concept is, you know, how do you arrive at that flavor profile um, when the starting product is not... Yeah, yeah, it would be vegan as well. Exactly. So no dairy products. Um, yeah, no dairy. And, environmental yeah. friendly. I mean, you know, lot, friendly. Mm. Exactly. And actually, when you look at it, the carbon emissions for chocolate for cacao are about the same as for you know the production of cheese and even some meat products. So lamb, I think it's about thirty kg per kilo of CO two emissions, and it's about the same, slightly under for for cacao. Um, so yeah, you know, we're going to make this super duper thing. But how do you get to that final? flavor profile obviously you can do some interesting things in terms of understanding what that the chemicals constituents of the 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 flavor profile are and um having a sort of um you know good handling on on data processing is useful at that but we want to create these new pathways so we want to start with the macro molecules that all food is made up of so things like you know proteins and carbohydrates and fats Mm -hmm. and figure out you know biologically or chemically how do you go from um, something that's not a cacao bean. So let's say it's some other, let's say it's a sunflower seed. We know that has, that has some storage proteins and this, you know, certain carbohydrates. How can we turn those into those final, um, 
chemical constituents, that final flavor profile. And so where the machine learning would come in is basically digging into lots of protein databases and digging into um, lots of genetic databases to understand what sort of enzymes we need and what sort of organized organisms have those enzymes that could process the storage proteins in those sunflower seeds to produce um, the flavor compounds that we want in our final chocolate. Cool. That comes in handy to be a, a, a material scientist, uh, I, I figure. Because that's, that's basically yeah. what you do yeah, I mean, when I, a material scientist. You, you just study what stuff absolutely. is off and how you can create better other stuff. Um, yeah. That's... That's it. And I think, you know, we're, we're really in a sort of golden age of material science. Um, mm. Lots of the products, uh, sorry, lots of the problems that the world is trying to solve right now are actually, um, you know, a lot of the fundamental physics and chemistry and biology to a perhaps a slightly lesser extent has been done, but their problems surrounding, you know, how do we we know how materials to, for example, build, you know, mega efficient um, mega efficient solar cells mm. is the connection okay i think it just cut out for a second oh, oh, no, it's oh, fine. fine but it's yeah fine. mega efficient uh, solar cells uh, fuel cells oh, so, so, no, no, no. So, so let me ask you so this means this, this is quite interesting because we just had the debate um in the episode yesterday with the with alberto yeah basically He's a material basically um we work, we do a lot of things with susanna susanna sits on the united nation board of advisory when it comes to like um sustainability and all of these things and basically in tech a big thing is this net net carbon carbon zero footprint right and like you mentioned lamb has 30 kilograms mm -hmm. of um, carbon footprint so it's so that's something that's on the radar then for you guys so basically to put it naturally, you're trying to create a chocolate, which is basically good for the world, and you still get the same flavor out of it. So is this something you're trying to prove out of a principle, which is like that you can have whatever you want um, with, um, you can basically have whatever you want with the chocolate, or you can basically still have chocolate and you can be nice to the planet and your environment and your fellow humans. You could create the chocolate that dogs can eat. Without without having problems, use case. Tim, you're a genius. You 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 can come and work for us. So we the prototype that we've created, which we're uh, these people are definitely happy. not really good here. Yeah. Um, um, so no, what you're saying, the the prototype you created, uh, you're gonna bring on Sunday for dinner, so Bruce can try it. Bruce is is Paul's dog, by the way. But yeah, all oh. I heard is I'm a genius, so I'm good with that. No, but uh, essentially, you just take out the harmful stuff. Uh, I think it's bro, it, it's bromine that's that's harmful to dogs, isn't it? Or something like that. Bro, bro, whatever. Johnny, are you still with us? Johnny's gone. Johnny is gone. Johnny is gone, but he'll be back. So, um, you know, that this happens. Oh, yeah, Theo is Watson. Can you hear me or not? Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, so the, um, the, the, the thing that's harmful in chocolate for dogs is theobromine, which is like an integral part of the cacao plant. And so our dog, our chocolate will be, will be dog friendly. You can feed it to your dogs if you wish. Do you have the prototype ready? Should we try it on Sunday with Bruce? I don't think Francis is going to be happy about it, but <laughs> yeah. it's worth it. I can, I can try and bring some. If I go to the workshop before Sunday, I'll definitely some. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, going back to your question, Paul, um, yeah, the, the idea very much is, you know, so all of the work I do and, and in the past five years, I've worked with all the, you know, basically the very best 
restaurants in the world, multiple Michelin stars, you know, number one, et cetera, on the 50 best list. So um, the, the core of all my work is, you know, does it taste uh, amazing? And, you know, deliciousness is, is king slash queen. So it's all about, um, you know, not losing the indulgence and the luxury of chocolate, but creating something that's you can enjoy that's guilt-free and is, is less damaging to the planet. And so, again, the prototype that we have is about 80 to 96% fewer carbon emissions per kilo. So pretty dramatic reduction. Yeah. So at, at this stage, what do you need in order to get it into mass productions? Do you still need more support? Do you need, um, do you need more scientists to help you out? Or uh, what is it that you need at this point? A like contract with a major Swiss chocolate company yeah, yeah. to produce it. <laughs> if anybody knows the head of Lint, uh, or, or indeed if the head of Lint is listening, then please do slide into my DMs. Um, yes, <laughs> yes um, so we came out of a, an incubator that's based out of University of Cambridge. So that's called Carbon 13. And their um, sort of MO is all about, um, you know, CO2 emission reduction. Um, and so we got a first 100k of funding and we're about to start um, another or, or kind of to complement that funding round in September. So basically we're looking for investors um, and we plan to do a little beta launch in or in time for Christmas in London. So do maybe a thousand units and get feedback and then um, if all goes well, Tobin. we'll do a launch in Easter of next year. All right, so the next year's Easter bunny is going to be dog friendly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your dog can eat the, the, eat the Easter bunny. <laughs> that's cool. amazing. Cool. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds cool. Um, uh, so we, we have about like a couple minutes remaining. Um, and you, you talked about fermentation and, and fungi. So what, 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 what sort of stuff do you do in that direction? Do you also use AI to... to ferment stuff and i heard something about milk one time i think johnny yeah. mentioned that to me yeah so i mean in terms of the, the work that i do um in my normal kind of practice there's not really it's pretty hands-on and doesn't really rely on um a, it definitely doesn't rely on ai or any sort of computer modeling with that said i've been doing a project um helping a um a company basically develop a sort of home fermenting unit and we're looking at modeling the airflow um, to optimize the airflow and, and humidity within that. So there's obviously always, even in these very hands-on kind of crafty artisanal food practices, there's, def there's always scope for kind of computers to play a role. Um, but what lots of other people in the, in the food tech industry are doing at the minute are using yeah, machine learning to model, um, basically to try and recreate, for example, milk protein. So most of the protein in milk is a protein called casein. Um, and they're trying to basically model that um, so you can produce that, um, basically get a yeast cell, for example, to express that um, without ever having to, you know, use any cows. Um, so people are using that. There's an amazing company that people might be interested in called Jinko Bioworks in the US who have been doing that with flavors and fragrances um, and all sorts of ingredients. Um, and there's people, well, the biggest US company on them doing the alt pro doing the alt dairy play is um called perfect day and there's a really great company called um better dairy run by a, a great dude called jivan and they're based um actually very near us here in shepherd's bush so um yeah people are, are using computational modeling um you know machine learning layers to to try and figure out these um 
yeah, these proteins and how to produce them synthetically or, or you know, using um, molecular biology. That's, that's great. So, um, so basically, we're going to have Johnny back a couple of other times. You guys are going to hear more yeah. of him because Johnny is going to take us into a new venture of food, AI and tech. Yeah. So he's going to be coming on with some guests in the future. And, and we are allowed to call you Dr. Taste. We go, no, this episode is going to be called Dr. Taste. Yeah. Something like people that. need to like, and Johnny, we need a picture of you that, well, send us the best picture that you have. The, um, one, the, the one in which I look most like Dr. Taste. The one you look exactly. most like Dr. Taste. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, with that said, we always leave the last words of our guest. Uh, this is for you to basically take the stage and um, yeah, leave some remarks for the generations to come. Oh, and wow. I okay. Question. I have one more question for you, but go, go, yeah. Go on, and I ask you a question. Um, okay, so uh, there's a lot of pressure suddenly to say something that's either very funny or very meaningful, and I, I'm not sure I've got that in the tank um, today. I'm kind of Zoom, Zoom meeting out, but um, all I would say is, yeah, we can, over these subsequent um, episodes, unpack just how integral um, you know, data can be to the, the future of food. And, I mean, I don't really know what the listenership is, but there's definitely so much scope for innovating and, uh, you know, um, spinning up businesses around food tech and data and AI. So there's loads for us to talk about and lots of very exciting developments in this world. Cool. Everybody needs food. Techies too. And, uh, yeah, if you feed the techies uh, in the right way. Uh, the techies will feed you. Yeah in some sort of way so it's it's all a big circle and uh, your dog susanna because susanna loves dogs as well. yeah susanna your dogs could have chocolate think about it exactly and and it's all a big circle and that's what we want to achieve right the circular <laughs> economy um the, one question uh, johnny are you ready one last question hit me yeah what, what is your favorite food oh that's a question I, that's, I get. I get asked that a lot. I also get asked, "What's the weirdest food you've eaten?" Because I do eat a lot of or weird things. Yeah, and that. <laughs> um, and I don't really. It's a bit of a cop out, but I'm this sort of person who I guess I like, um, you know, variety being the spice of life, etc. I, I like, um, you know, I'm a neophile, so I like tasting new things. So, um, but chocolate arguably is one of my favourite things, and I actually grew up in in Birmingham, basically more or less under the shadow of the Cabris chocolate factory and we would actually so to reference my grandmother again for the third time when we would visit her so she lived down in the southwest and when we would visit her we would drive back through on a sunday night and go through cabris and you could wind your windows down and you could smell the chocolate so chocolate arguably um, is one of my favorite foods and if i had to you know if i was about to get electrocuted for some you know horrible deed i'd committed and i wanted the final thing to pass my lips probably it would be um, a very good espresso or some chocolate or some um, ice cream, I think, probably. All right. Perfect. So with that said, um, we hope to welcome you back soon. And thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks John. for having me. See you next time. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Bye.